Today's dead idea, this is part two of Anti-Witches, the story of the Benandante who used fennel stalks to fight witches armed with sorghum sticks in the Friuli region of late Renaissance Italy. If that makes no sense to you, then go back and, and listen to episode one of this series and it will make a whole lot more sense. That's what we're talking about today on Dead Ideas. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. The music we just heard was composed by Rachel Westhoff, my lovely wife, who can only laugh when I assert that the size of your fennel stock does not matter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm BT Newberg, but you can call me Brandon. With me once again are my co-hosts for the day, Nick. Hello. And Anna. Well, the fennel stock thing might be true, but sorghum is morgum, you know? <laughs> oh, <God>. ah. Okay. <laughs> And uh, once again, Nick is taking point. This series is his baby. Um, so he's going to be... And the be... witches are sucking its blood. <laughs> the baby's blood. It's what they do. <laughs> so Nick's... As will come up. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Nick is leading the way this time. All right. So uh, one thing, though, before we get started, we always like to do a fake plug for a local beer. By fake plug, I mean... I mean we don't get any money from this. We just plug it because we love beer. So, guys, what are we? What are you drinking tonight? Well, uh, you generously provided us with some pretty good Liftbridge. This is uh, bottled in uh, Stillwater, Minnesota. Yeah, Stillwater. I've been uh, drinking the Hop Dish, which is a really nice India Pale Ale. But the one I really liked uh, was the Crosscut, which has all sorts of little. Um, Grapefruit notes. Very nice. Oh, we should have given me a sip of that. I'm, I'm drinking the Farm Girl Saison Ale. Huh. That's a huh. Belgian farmhouse style ale. You can actually find that in pretty much every bar with local beer in the Twin Cities. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. Definitely liked it. So, yeah, a nice little Minnesota beer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's our fake plug. Uh, Liftbridge, if you're listening, we wouldn't mind some money, but <laughs> we we'll just do beer. it because we love it. Yeah, actually, yeah, just send us the beer. <laughs> yeah, send us the money. We'll just send us some beer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so just a quick uh, recap. So, Nick, like, in, in like, a minute, who who were the Benedante again? Well, the first story will recap that pretty well. So oh, okay. I okay. can start in. I am a Benedante. This is the public crier Battista Moduco um, from Trivignano, who lived in Cividale del Friuli, goes to confession and takes communion regularly and does not know any heretics, but... As he says when met by the Inquisition, I am a Benendante because I go with the others to fight four times a year, that is, during the Ember Days. At night I go invisibly in spirit, and the body remains behind. We go forth in the spirit of Christ, and the witch is the devil. We fight each other. We with bundles of fennel, and they with sorghum stalks. Nice recap. That's actually a pretty good summary. Yeah, Yeah, it's... Of of these... They think of themselves as anti-witches, but as we heard last episode, the Inquisition convinced them that they were witches and that they had to stop being witches, but also that the Inquisition really was just bored with the whole thing and didn't really care. (laughs) It was kind of weird. Witches, yeah. It was very complex. (laughs) In the fighting that we do, this is Moduko again, 
One time we fight over the wheat and all the other grains. Another time the livestock. And well, other people times, still fight over wheat a lot. That's true. It's true. But bear in mind also that the ember days are in four different agricultural transitional seasons. Uh-huh. So they're fighting over different things uh-huh. at different seasons. Oh, and they link up? Yeah. So at one time he's claiming oh, they fight okay. over the wheat and other oh, grains. Wheat. I yes. thought it was weed. Oh, God, yeah. People <laughs> totally fight over that. That's true. Okay. That, that's the modern day version. <laughs> right. I shouldn't make a crack about neo-paganism there, but... (laughs) Uh, You can sneak it in. (laughs) Another time over the livestock, and at other times over the vineyards. And so on four occasions, we fight over all the fruits of the earth. And for those things won by the Benedante that year, there is abundance. So I'm guessing weed is probably the spring. Okay. Livestock's probably the fall. Mm -hmm. Slaughtering. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and vineyards are probably the summer one, because that's harvested in the fall. Okay. And he doesn't really bring up what you fight over in the winter. Weed. In the... <laughs> You're stuck indoors. In the winter? I don't know. What, what the I agricultural guess... products are. That's the witchiest time, though. The witchiest time. Yeah, and all the related sort of tangential regions that have similar myths. Uh-huh. If it happens... I mean, there's a lot of variation. Sometimes it's Thursdays in the Ember Weeks. Sometimes it's just every Thursday. Uh-huh. But if it's only once a year, it's always in Advent, right before Christmas. Particularly huh. in the German areas. That's when you need to worry about the wild hunt and the dead walking abroad and things like that. Ah. But in any case, Maduco added that he had not belonged to the company of the Benedante for more than eight years. One enters at the age of 20 and is freed at 40 if he so wishes. Wishes. Freudian <laughs> <laughs> slip. Yeah, yeah still slip. thoroughly. Members of the company are all those who are born with the call. That's C-A-U-L, not uh-huh. C-A-L-L. The yeah. amniotic membrane. Yes. And when they reach the age of 20, they are summoned by the means of a drum, same as soldiers. So again, it's sort of ambiguous whether this is a physical, actual thing happening or not. Or, or in dreams right. visions. And they are obliged to respond. This is the other thing that I thought was interesting. So the Inquisitor interrupts him at this point and says, How can it be that so many gentlemen are born with the call and yet are nevertheless not vagabonds? Uh-huh. <laughs> but meaning, if only meaning, so many people... Benedante. By vagabonds. Right. Yeah, Benedante. Okay. But if only one in 80,000 people is born with that. Right, as we heard last time. Right, that's what seemed odd to me, that he's claiming it's a super common thing. Obviously, you know lots of people that are born that were born with the call, and obviously they don't all go fight witches, so uh-huh. dot, dot, dot. Seems to be the Inquisitor's point of view. Maybe right. Italian babies are just really sticky. <laughs> you know? Anyway, Maduco has nothing says nothing doing. I am saying that everyone born with the call must go. All this seemed incredible to the Inquisitor to insist on knowing about the truth of the entry into this profession, and the Duke replied simply, nothing else happens except that the spirit leaves the body and goes wandering. So the Inquisitor asks, who is it that comes to summon you, God, an angel, a man, or a devil? He is a man just like us, Maduco informed him, who is placed above us all and beats a drum and calls us. We are a great multitude, at times five thousand and more, some who belong to the village know each other, and others do not. Who is placed above you? I do not know, said Maduko, but we believe he is sent by God, because we fight for the faith of Christ. Also, Again, he's German. something neo-pagans... That's the thing that seems odd, for yeah, the people doing sure. the fertility ritual are well, sure, but, but very, even, very insistent they're Christian. Well, I would As be. you would be. I would be. But also, I like that he gives them the option, right... Is is this person sent by God, an angel, or the devil? And then we heard last episode that if they say 
they're sent by an angel, then the Inquisitors think, oh, it's definitely the devil. Right. (laughs) That's so entrapment. It's like a trick question. You know, the devil's It wasn't the devil. It was an angel. Oh, then it was the devil. We do not... Okay. We believe he was sent by God because we fight for the faith of Christ. As for the captain, he is the head of the company until he reaches the age of 40 or announces it. He is from Cologne, a man of 28, very tall, red-bearded, pale complexion of noble birth, and he has a wife. His insignia was white. The flag, that is the cross piece he carries above him, is black. Our standard bearer carries a a banner of white silk stuff, gilded with a lion. The banner of the witches is a red silk with four black devils gilded. Their captain has a black beard. He is big and tall, also of the German nation. (laughs) And they go to do battle in various places in the region of Azzano, near Cugnano, and sometimes on German soil in certain fields near Sirginis. The Inquisitor demanded still more information and above all the names of the other Benedante, but Maduka refused. I would be beaten by the entire company, and he even declined to reveal the names of the witches. If you say you fight for God, I want you to tell me the names of these witches, the Inquisitor insisted. Maduka was stubborn. He declared that he could not accuse anyone, whether he be friend or foe, because we have a lifelong edict not to reveal secrets about one side or the other. The commandment was made by the captains of each side, whom we are obliged to obey. But finally he did relent and tell the names of two witches, and that was the end of that oh, he particular, snitched. he did snitch. Witches oh. don't snitch. Version yeah. of the trial, which Witch again no snitch. was five years after the original portion. So um, did it say that the, the bad witches had snakes on their standards? Devils. Devils. Devils on red silk, as opposed to a lion gilded on white silk kind of interesting considering what you said in the uh, previous episode about rogation days and that you carried a snake puppet and a uh, lion puppet when you went processed around the fields ah. although so this is the other benedante from the original trial there's paolo gasbruto and batista moduco that was moduco but um gasbruto at the same time is saying that his company is only six rather than five thousand we fight with viburnum branches, that is, the staff that we carry behind the crosses in the processions of rogation days, and we have a banner of white silk, all gilded, and the witches have one that is yellow with four devils on it. Once again, the verbenum stick is the substitute for the fennel stick that they right. fight with, but in a, in a variant. Yes. It's fennel versus sorghum, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. He explained that during the Ember Days proceeding, the Benedante and the witches challenge each other, and they name the place... Then to the friar, who asked him if he had ever promised to take anyone with him to the games, he replied almost with annoyance, Yes, I said I would take the last Father Inquisitor, and if he had come along, you would not be questioning me now. But he just didn't show up? Yeah. <laughs> this is dumb, I'm going back home. But that's another part of the interesting ambiguity here. I mean, sometimes they claim that they travel purely in spirit and only those with the call can go, and uh-huh. sometimes they say... You can yeah, come, come on, I'll show you all this. It's totally true. Yeah, come with me in my time-traveling phone booth. Right. <laughs> and his captain was from I'll Verona. I'll get an A in history class. Yeah. <laughs> didn't know his name, but he was a peasant of average height who was a plump man with a red beard about 30 years old, and he didn't know how he became captain. Red beards. Always with the red beards. Hmm. Um, also, his interrogate, his sort of... The story of how he got inducted Whoa. is interesting. A frog just jumped out of the fire pit. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
And oh, God, it's a witch. Around and it's a white. witch. <laughs> it's a witch. Or someone no. traveling in spirit. Do you know where Rachel is? is she, oh, I, Rachel. If she's in a trance, we'd better not turn her over if she's like, come to see us in frog form because right. she'd die. Yeah. Well, no, sni- I, no snitching on Rachel. No, oh, sorry gosh. about that. Yeah. You, you heard that soundtrack. Only witches could produce that. <laughs> so, yeah, by the way, everybody, uh, if you didn't check in, check in on us uh, last episode, we are recording up in the north woods of Minnesota at a cabin on a lake. Uh, late at night, uh, by a smoldering remains of a fire pit, which a frog um, just leaped through. Yeah, with um, chirps of crickets uh, or something that you might be able to hear, and you might even have heard. I think somebody was either shooting a gun far off across the lake, like yeah. hunters maybe, or maybe it was fireworks. fireworks? I don't know. But that's the explanation for the background noise here. Anyway. So, we might have just seen a witch. Okay. Might have just seen a frog witch. Right. Meanwhile, Paolo Gusbruto, um, he was interrogated. Uh, he is the first Benedante that they one. have. And there's the fireworks or gunshots noise. Yeah. <laughs> he said he had entered the company of Benedante when he was 28 years old and was summoned by the captain of the Benedante of Verona. He had been in that for 10 years and he'd abandoned it four years previously. Why did you not tell me this yesterday, said the Inquisitor. Gusbruto replied, because I was afraid of the witches who would have attacked me in bed and killed me. The first time you went, did you know that you were going with the Benendante? Yes, father, because I had been warned by a Benendante of Vicenza, Baptista Vincento, Vincentino by name, 35 years of age, tall in stature. He snitched a night again? He did. Well, this is a different guy. With a round black beard, well-built, a peasant. Batista had presented himself in the month of December during the ember season of Christmas on Thursday at about the fourth hour of the night. Thursday at first sleep. Then. He told me that the captain of the Benendante was summoning me out to come fight for the crops. And I answered, I do want to come, for the sake of the crops. <laughs> the Inquisitor, if you were asleep, how did you hear him, and how did you hear his voice? My spirit replied to him, and he added that it was his spirit that went forth, and if by chance while you were out we should, someone should come along for a light and look a long time at the body, the spirit would never re-enter it, and there would be no one left to see it that night, and if the body, seeming to be dead, should be buried, the spirit would have to wander around the world until the hour fixed for that body to die. Oh, that's wow. that you're taking a risk when you do this. You thing. really are. Astral projection is no joke. And interestingly, <laughs> this is the same encounter where he's saying he goes out in spirit and his body lays there like someone dead and his spirit would wander around until the time of his death. Okay. As he said to the inquisitor, I told the last inquisitor, yeah, come with me, I'll show you all this stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> so in the same instance, he's saying it's complete spirit travel and yeah, I can totally take you with me. Oh, yeah. And then it goes on to, he tells more about his captain and so on and so forth. So that's sort of how the early stuff goes. Um, huh. Now we're going to jump ahead a little bit to a wonderful soap opera scene. Woo! A little bit closer to the end of this belief when people are starting to get really annoyed with the Benandante for accusing people of being witches. Is there somebody in a coma? There is, isn't there? Are there twins? Soap soap opera. There's somebody. There, in a well, coma there's comas because... every damn night in this, really. <laughs> I mean, they're astral traveling. At least four Thursdays a year. Yes. So, a woman of Borgo San Pietro, Elena di Vicenzo, made a long statement to the presence of a notary of Cividale, Francesco Maniaco, a clerk of the Holy Office. Blah blah blah. Deposition was made in the home of a witness because she was seriously ill and had difficulty passing urine. Oh. It, it was to cure this very sickness that she had appealed to the Benendante 
Girolamo Cut or Cut. I'm not sure how you'd say it in Italian. Why would they be able to cure that? If she was bewitched. You uh-huh. want a bad witch for that. The bad witches are all about peeing and things. <laughs> Reference to the first episode again for those yes. who are cutting in late. <laughs> who assured her the Cut would be able to break the spells worked on her and reveal the name of the sorcerer. His power came to do so came because he was not a witch, but a Benedante. Elena is not at all persuaded and objected to her friend that her priest would never absolve her from this sin, but the other had urged her to push her scruples aside and said, if he refuses absolution, you will have to go to other priests who will do it, because I too have been absolved. The Benedante is summoned. He's a man of 30, medium height, red-headed, and light-bearded. I love how detailed all the personal descriptions in the court cases are, too. That's something that never changes in legal yeah. documents. Beards are important. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they're all ginger as well as being all born with the call. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. In any case, after attending mass with the invalid's husband, he had sat down with his hands folded beside the hearth. May God forgive me, he exclaimed, and the Madonna di Monte, your daughter-in-law's mother is the one who bewitched you, so that you would die and her daughter become mistress. And this is because her daughter in the market of Cividale had complained to the aforesaid Domenica Zamparia, her mother, saying, Mother, you think you have placed me in heaven, but instead I am in hell. And the other had replied, Hush, daughter, you won't have to wait much longer. <laughs> and even before Elena could tell him from what sort of ailment she suffered, the Benedante declared that Zamparia herself, with the connivance of the devil, had placed the invalid's urine in a gourd. What? <laughs> they would have to summon the sorceress and reclaim it. Elena hesitated. What if she tries to make trouble for me? The Benedante insisted. Then I shall go to her house with your husband and get it back, because I am not afraid. But the husband cut forth the discussion, asserting that nothing would be done until the health of the invalid had improved. A week later, the Benedante returned. Elena was better, but in the meantime, the sorcery had been repeated. It was essential to confront the person responsible for the illness, but the daughter-in-law of the sick woman refused to go and summon her mother, Domenica Zamparia, who was presumed to be the guilty party. Pointing to the Benedante, she said sarcastically, If he is a witch, he could make her come without my having to call her. Hmm. So they're all in the house. Mm-hmm. The mom's sick. Mm-hmm. Her daughter-in-law... Her mom calls this witch doctor in, who mm-hmm. accuses the daughter-in-law's mom in her presence of being a witch and bewitching <laughs> her, and it being her fault. And then the daughter-in-law is cussing out the Benedante. <laughs> Just to picture the scene a little more accurately, if you're not following all the details. <laughs> <laughs> then she went away to return with her brothers, who wanted to beat up Gerolamo <laughs> Cut. A row broke out, which brought Domenica Zampari at the mother-in-law to investigate the commotion. Now it's sounding like a more hick country, like we were saying before. Enraged oh. that she had been accused of witchcraft by the Benedante, she lit into him, screaming various villainies, calling him a witch and trying to get her hands on him. At this point, Cut interrupted them with authority, saying, Go out in the, into the courtyard. I can say that you, Domenica, have bewitched this poor woman so that your daughter will become mistress. Then he swore on the Gospels, You have distilled her urine out of a gourd. (laughs) The the accused and her sons abandoned the scene. The daughter re-entered the house, her hands folded, and said, Are you trying to say, she exploded in the face of the Benedante, that I too know how how to cast spells? Yes, you know how too, Cut replied solemnly, because like mother, mother like daughter, and no knife is better than the metal she's made of, and even if you do not know as much as she, you know something. Dun dun dun. Cut ap- to commercial. And after yeah. boasting that she had cured, that he had cured the son of a patriarch's clerk and a son of Signor Giambattista of Manzano, and after dispelling Elena's last qualms by declaring mysteriously he had license from his superiors, 
Girolamo Cut took his leave. And we never find out what happens at the end of the story. A lot of fighting in that household. Yeah. It is like a soap opera. Yeah. I'm guessing the Benedante were not popular because of things like this. (laughs) That's kind of, yes. So yeah, he seems to make a career of doing this. Okay. On 21st of January, the Holy Office decided to investigate Cut, and on the 4th of February, Don Berlino was called as a witness. He confirmed his previous accusations and recalled the case of Elena of Borgo San Pietro, the person who we were just talking about. Blah, 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 blah. The priest was not satisfied of his own deposition, and ten years later he took pen in hand to inform the Inquisitor that Geralamo Cut was saying that the Benedante gave help at night and that priests were powerless against sorcery. In addition, mm. Cut had named a woman of Percoto as a witch, and the husband of the impugned woman beat him, and the rascal taunted <laughs> that she really was a witch, and we, when she could not bewitch someone, she sucked the blood from her own son, and that he was now in a bad way. Well, well you gotta suck somebody's blood? Yeah. So, so event- when you Brandon, said that the- you thought about this. <laughs> <laughs> so when he said that the priests were powerless against sorcery, was he saying that only the Benedanti can? Yes. And yeah, so, that was the implication. So, like, he's the only one who can save the world here. Right. Okay. No divisions of grandeur or anything. <laughs> so, similarly, we're going down to... Now, we covered all the early Benedante stuff pretty well, so I'm okay. going on to another late story of how the beliefs got weird before they started to peter out. Okay. Oh, because they weren't weird already. <laughs> <laughs> Discords and riding around on giant rabbits. Taking yeah, the original is a given, how they got weirder. Which is peeing in your wine casks yeah. if you didn't do, I don't know. I Fighting guess. them with brushes that you used to clean out the ashes from the bread oven. From the bread oven? Oh, man. Okay, okay so this is the trial it's of... Like, a... It's like Mario Brothers or something. <laughs> really? right? It's just really... Which one was it you said where they fight with vegetables? Yeah, the second yeah, part one, two. You, you throw radishes <laughs> All right. into dream state. Oh my oh god, god, it is! It is. It is. All right, I need to go back to a different story, actually. That reminded me. Um, I really, really, really need to tell this one. It's not a whole story, but it's the best thing I found about early witch beliefs in Italy. Because um, this was also really interesting. So... There weren't any witches descriptions of witches' Sabbaths in Friuli because it was sort of a backwater area until really late. There weren't any described versions until well in the 1600s. Okay. Whereas yeah. it hit the more populous and prosperous parts of Italy a lot earlier in the 1400s. Yeah, because the idea of the witches' Sabbath was kind of academically invented. Right. Not too From long there and at that, that time. Yeah. But not generally believed. Or right. At least natively. Yeah. Um, but... And again, I was really surprised by this. I thought this was just a neo-pagan thing. Okay. I thought it had been kind of debunked. But apparently there were lots of actual stories of Italian witches in the earlier Renaissance and late Middle Ages going to the games of Diana, was what they said they did. Uh-huh. Was it the and that, Strega? Stregeria The Stregeria is the thing yeah. I'm thinking of that okay. was a pretty widely debunked yeah. early Wiccan story about that, but apparently it had more documentary evidence than I had thought. Right. The thing with Charles Leland, I think his version might maybe... There might, so it was probably based on the kernel of truth, and you must have found the kernel. Right. Yeah. Which was lots of people that said they did go to have festivals in honor of a goddess they called Diana. Okay. Um, But my favorite, favorite story from this... And this is just a tiny tidbit. 
in Modena, so in a different part of Italy here, in Modena, the earliest references to nocturnal wit- meetings of witches, in fact, do not concern the adoration of the devil, but the cult, still innocuously magical, of a mysterious female divinity, Diana, of whom we have knowledge in northern Italy from at least the end of the 14th century. When it was said of a witch, who was mentioned in a trial in 1498, although she herself was not tried, that she used to go instriaticium, that is to say, to the Sabbath, she described it as a peaceful nocturnal gathering of individuals assembled together until dawn to eat the turnips of a field or a garden. Mm. Oh. Of a certain terrible backyard. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have so it, the original they're... Witch of Sabbath, going to eat turnips until dawn. Did they... Wild stuff. Did they... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously, that's satanic. Yeah. I mean, turnips. Yeah. Gross. You're not even cooking them? <laughs> I mean, they're not even eating little wafers of unleavened bread. No, just, no wine. just turnips. Yeah. Are you even mashing that? Are you even boiling it? Eating it with salt and butter? So, jumping forward a few hundred years again to uh-huh. 1618, a woman of Latisana, Maria Panzona, the wife of a cooper, had been arrested towards the end of the year 1618 for stealing handkerchiefs, blouses, and other objects preserved as votives and gifts in the church of Santa Croce. Um, Again, stealing just, like, clothes and blankets yeah. and stuff. Yeah. What's with and time period? Shirt, shirt fights. <laughs> well, Going into plague wards and stealing the stuff. Do you remember all the moral panic stories when we were in high school about people being shot for Nikes and starter jackets and things? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. there's a Family Matters episode yeah. about it. <laughs> so in any case, she was put in prison for stealing clothes. Okay. But once there, they started to suspect she might have healed the sick by diabolical means. Lots of witnesses unanimously declared that she treated the victims of sorcery with strange mixtures and incantations, conducted before a judge on the 31st of December. Believe that I have been called and brought here to talk about the witches in the area. Then she proceeded to name them. There are about 15 of them all, including a certain Aloysia nicknamed La Tabaca, who sucks the blood from humans, especially little children. She had personally seen her doing this while she was in the form of a white cat and saw the witch in the form of a black cat. Huh. <laughs> Lata Baca. Yeah. Okay. Um, the judge invited her to disclose the cli- crimes which she herself had committed. The woman objected, I have never performed spells or charms because I am a biandante, and the biandante are all opposed to, all opposed to witches and warlocks. Um, proof she recalled how she had healed victims of sorcery using concoctions of herbs and an incantation three times that went like this. I mark you against witch and warlock, Bellandante and Malandante, that they may neither speak nor act until they have counted the threads in the linen, the needles in the thorn bush, and the waves in the sea, and they may have nothing to say about you or any baptized Christian. Hmm. Huh. So she's listing Bellandante as well as Malandante as witches, even though she's claiming to be one and be opposed to witches. Huh. Be- Bellandante? Ben-andante. Would mean, she said Bellandante, but... Okay. That's one of the ways it survived in later for Julian. Okay, like a different variation yeah. on it. Okay, yeah. I like how she doesn't consider an incantation to be a spell. Right. Or going like around the... in the body of a white cat. <laughs> <laughs> the concept of magic is was not exactly Dungeons and Dragons back then. Yeah. It's a little different. All right, so she went with the Benedante to the field of Josephat. What? It's a very common thing, actually, that is, especially in the later stories where they said they went to do the fighting. Josephat. The field of Josephat, As in which jumping was Josephat. a lovely meadow full of flowers at the end of the, at a spirit place at the end of the world. Oh well, okay, okay. good. All right, they still make the journey on Thursday night. Thursday night poker night. Yeah, Thursday, Thursday night, night fight. Thursday nights for <laughs> fighting. 
And when she got there, she saw a woman seated in majesty at the edge of a well called the Abbess, who we all pay reverence to, bowing our heads. And she, they were conducted to a field by an animal. He explained that she and her companions are transported by cocks and billy goats, even though she knows very well that they're really devils, and said that the one on the edge of the well who looks like an abbess is the devil. Uh-huh. So again, they're starting to be persuaded that it's witchery. Okay. Um, then she mentions that witches consign their menses to the devil abbess, uh... who then give them back so that they could use them to injure people and make them fall sick, become stunted, and even die. Uh... She herself had received a certain red substance from the devil, uh... which she had hidden in a wall of her house. Uh... It was then... It was oh. then promptly brought before her, and Maria recognized it. So they really did find a red thing in the wall of her house. Huh. This oh. is the... And yeah. she said, This is a present from the devil, which I use to free bewitched people, especially little children whose blood has been sucked for them. The devil told me it was good for this. Uh, yeah. So this um, is starting to check out with the lore of the time of what the concept of the witch was supposed to be. Because right. Because if you go and you read that book, The Malleus Maleficarum... What a witch is, is very, it's very, like, it's as if, like, some guys were just really freaked out by, like, women's bodies and sexuality. No. Like, their spell list is not, like, fireball and magic missile. It's, like, it's, like, make men's dicks disappear for temporarily or something. It's, well, like, that's really still weird. in Nigeria. That's not a dead idea at all. <laughs> oh, why would you put menses in your wall? That's not where you want it. I don't care if it gives you infernal she powers. She didn't say it was menses. She just said it was a certain red substance. It's friggin' menses. And it didn't give her infernal powers. It let her heal people. And the devil gave children. her the good stuff. I thought she was cursing children with <laughs> no, it. No, she was healing children with it. Witches curse children by it. God, get it right. <laughs> She's a bad entante. <laughs> Fine. I'm gonna, you're going to see some weird stuff in the walls. You just ignore that, all right? <laughs> Okay, so there's a lot more about this, but that's the most interesting part. So I think we'll stop there. That was instructive, I guess. Yeah. Sort Um, of. And now I'm... So there are lots of other stories I could tell about Ben and Dante. Uh Uh-huh. But a lot of the really more juicy stories Uh involve... Not like that. Oh. Well, you said soap operas before, though. Yeah, it's and true. then you told us that story about turnips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you would have let down. <laughs> anyway. I wanted I'll... to find out who Rodriguez is sleeping with now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A lot of them involve parallel stories from bits of Germany and Slavic countries. Uh-huh. Um, he has this theory, which is sort of interesting. Who does? Sorry, Ginsburg, the author okay, of this the book. the author of this book. Yeah. Where you can read many more stories about the Benandante. You really can. Yes. That since Freely is right on the cusp of Austria and Slovenia, basically of a German area and a Slavic mm-hmm. area, even though it's Italian, that it's sort of a weird mishmash of German and Slavic myth. Uh-huh. And that the fighting for the fertility of fields against bad wizards is sort of the Slavic element. Uh-huh. Well, worshipping a female divinity that shows you processions of the dead is the German piece. Okay. It's fairly well substantiated. He goes okay. into lots and lots of old stories about Germanic myths, even through the Renaissance of the Wild Hunt. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which comes and down from Odin. Something to do with Odin. Actually, it's usually a, a it's usually a goddess leading it. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Maybe not Odin came in there. In the Middle Ages, at least, is usually a Perkta or a Hulda. Uh huh. Okay. Depending I... on Perkta was no- southern Germany and Hulda was northern Germany. Okay. 
Holder or hola means the brighter, the shining one, they think, sure. is the etymology. And Perkdenoan really knows. Okay. Um, but it's actually, even in present-day Switzerland and the Tyrol, if you ever look up and see the crazy things about people wearing Krampus masks and fighting in Lent. Krampus mask? Krampus? The Krampus? The, the, the monster that accompanies St. Nicholas? Oh. He, he puts the bad children in the sack, and he's a big, leering, horrible devil with a oh, okay. black yeah. visage. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, so it's very much a thing in the Alps okay. that okay. you wear horrible, grimacing, demonic masks okay. and go in processions German. with them around Christmas time. And scare little children. And scare little children. And they're okay. supposed to ward off evil spirits and so on and so forth. And they're okay. called Perktelaufen. Okay. They're Perktes things, and it probably represents the wild hunt. And we might get to some of those stories if we have time. Okay. But... The, my very favorite, which is also from a sort of borderline German Slavic area in Livonia, mm-hmm. which is what's now Latvia, is the actual okay. region. Uh-huh. Um, borderland between Russia and was originally colonized by the Teutonic Knights, who were the people that Christianized it. Latvia, Kristaps from Moser Bonaparte should be listening to this episode. I know. <laughs> Maybe you should send it to him as a plug. Yeah. <laughs> so again, very mixed Slavic German culture. Um, this is one of the only German places that involve someone doing things for crops, though. This old, old guy brought up in front of the Lutheran equivalent of the Inquisition. So he got burned. Gone into... Actually, he didn't. <laughs> oh. Well, I don't like this story anymore. <laughs> yeah, it was Swedes by this point, and it was like the 1690s. It's very late. Past most of the witch burnings. Hmm. Um, it's gone down in history as the Livonian werewolf. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a man named Tis. I'm not sure. You might have to help me with the pronunciation. T I. T H I E S S. T H I E S S. Yeah. This. This. Go for it. An old man in his 80s freely confessed to his judges that he was a varvos. Wait, 80s? Yeah. An 80-year-old werewolf. An 80-year-old werewolf. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but his account seriously differs from the concept of lycanthropy, which was widespread in northern Germany and the Baltic countries. So I want to know, when he turns into the werewolf, is he just kind of, like, old and mangy and rickety? I'd it's imagine really but he's gray. been doing this for a long time. He's got, time. like, arthritis ah, in his claws. Ah. I, I'm guessing. <laughs> so Theus once related that he had his nose broken by a peasant of Lemberg named Skykstan, who at that time was already dead. Uh. Skystan was a uh-huh. witch, and with his companions, he had carried seed grain into hell to keep the crops from growing. Oh, so he's so not only dead, he's he was a dead host- witch holding the crops hostage. Hostage, yeah. With other werewolves, Theus had also gone down to hell and fought with Skystan. The latter, armed with a broom handle, wrapped in the tail of a horse, had struck the old man on the nose. This was not a casual encounter. Three times each year on the nights of St. Lucia before Christmas, of Pentecost, and of St. John. That's midsummer, right? Yeah. So close to when the Ember Days happen. Okay. Anyway, three times a year on the night of St. Lucy before Christmas, of Pentecost, and of St. John, the werewolves proceeded on foot in the form of wolves to a place located beyond the sea. Hell. Hell is beyond the sea. Beyond the sea. I guess that's technically correct. Okay. There they battled devils and witches, striking them with long iron rods and pursuing them like dogs. Here's my favorite line of the whole book. <laughs> Werewolves, Tius exclaimed, cannot tolerate the devil. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, a particular weakness to the 
devil? Yes. <laughs> so the judges, if top... you're in the Middle Ages in Livonia, screw silver bullets. You want the devil on your side. You want... No, you want were... or else you want werewolves on your side, depending. Yeah. <laughs> Peace, <laughs> werewolf for Christ. <laughs> Basically, in any case, the judges, undoubtedly astonished, asked for elucidation. If werewolves could not abide the devil, why did they change themselves into wolves and go down into hell? Because it's, so it's awesome. the same confusion. <laughs> Because, Altius explained, by doing so, they could bring back to earth what had been stolen by the witches, livestock, grains, and the other fruits of the earth. Because wolves are great at carrying that. And also at striking things with iron rods. It's a little confused if you take it literally all the way around. Just a little. I like how you can just hear the facepalm of these inquisitors and priests and stuff. They're just like, what? This doesn't make any sense. Is this your fan fiction, this? (laughs) So if the werewolves fail to do this, precisely what had occurred the previous year would be repeated. The werewolves had delayed their descent into hell, found the gates barred, and thus failed to bring back the grains and buds carried off by the witches. For this reason, last year's harvest had been very bad. But this year instead, things had been different, and, thanks to the werewolves, the harvest of barley and rye, as well as a rich catch of fish, were assured. Well, werewolves do have minus one in lockpicking. <laughs> At this point, the judges asked where the werewolves went after death. Theus replied that they were buried like other people, but that their souls went to heaven. As for the souls of witches, the devil claimed them for himself. The judges were visibly shaken. How is it possible, they asked, for the souls of werewolves to ascend to God if it was not God they served, but the devil? All dogs go to heaven! <laughs> <laughs> The old man emphatically rejected this notion. God, are you listening? The werewolves were anything but servants of the devil. The devil was their enemy to the point that they, just like dogs, because werewolves were indeed the hounds of God. (laughs) This is your fan fiction! (laughs) Pursued him, tracked him down, and scourged him with whips of iron. They did this for the sake of mankind. Without their good work, the devil would carry off the fruits of the earth, and everyone would be deprived of the consequence. We are good dogs! We are so good! (laughs) The Livonian werewolves were not alone in their fight with the devil over the harvests. German werewolves did so as well, although they did not belong to the Livonian company, and they journeyed to their own particular hell. The German hell! And the same was also true of the Russian werewolves, (laughs) who that year and the year before had won prosperous and abundant harvests for their land. So there are different ethnic subgroups of hell. Yeah, there are different hells for Germans, Russians, and Livonians. Oh, God. All beyond the sea. (laughs) Well, you wouldn't want to be mixing in hell. Well, no. Because you know you're all going there. Come on. As soon as the werewolves managed to snatch away from the devil the seed grain he had stolen, they cast it up into the air so that it might fall back down to earth and be spread over the fields of rich and poor alike. Egalitarian. Yes. So, so these, these are these are good werewolves. These are more like teen wolves here than they. <laughs> this is this is like some really really bad early draft of Underworld, or a really good early draft of Underworld. It could be a furry comic book. Oh god! Yeah, it is kind yes, it of sounding like it. So the Lutheran the Lutheran Inquisitor equivalent was he like you tricked me into reading your self insertion story? I'm gonna kill you. Um, no, he was condemned to ten lashes for superstitious beliefs and acts of idolatry. So that uh-huh. kill an eighty-year-old. Which on an eighty-year-old man is probably not great. But... Yeah, but only ten. Though, yeah. At least. Not like that time that witch broke his nose. Yeah. So I like though that that's interesting though that he got punished for believing in like witches and werewolves and stuff, which is what you would have would have happened to you prior to the renaissance if you believed in witches anywhere in the christian right. world until the renaissance when the church started thinking oh maybe there are witches well i think maybe it wasn't so much believing in witches it's just like imagining that you had something to do with it 
Yeah, well, yeah, that had efficacious into the power. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, even then, apparently, it was really more in certain regions like Germany, Austria. Right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's really if the background ecclesiastical assumption is people believe this stuff, but it's because they're deluded by the devil. Uh huh. Right. Then, if they act on it, uh huh, they're acting on delusions of the devil, which is not good, but probably right. hurts them more than anyone else, which sure. is why it's more a penance thing than yeah. Speaking of which, is that howling? I can't tell if it's a loon or if it's howling of wolves. It's probably a loon. More likely. So Slovenian werewolves around here or Finnish? Uh, or both. <laughs> They're fighting. Oh, boy. <laughs> just, just what we need. Sauna werewolves. Yeah. <laughs> so, back to another German story. This one ends less happily. Okay. And this is Ginsburg again saying that the closest stories to all the ones in Friuli about seeing the dead are from Bavaria, which is pretty much right over the Alps. A little bit west. Uh-huh. Just west of Austria. Okay. In a trial held at Obertsdorf in 1586. Mm-hmm. So... Is that Still during the Benendati time. Yeah, sorry, I'm trying to place the howl now. Oh, I think that is a loon. A loon? Okay. A I don't know. Loon? It's hard to tell. Anyway. 11 years after the first part, actually. There's a trial of a shepherd named Konrad Stücklin, 37 years of age. He told the Obertstorf judge that eight years before, on his way to the forest to cut down fir trees, the drover, Jakob Walk, Volk, sorry, a townsman of his who had died eight years before, suddenly appeared before him. Volk confided that he was being compelled to wander for three years before experiencing the pains of hell, and exhorted him to live honestly and piously, and to always keep God before his eyes. These apparitions were repeated, and after a year the dead cowherd appeared before him again, dressed all in white, with a red cross on his chest, and invited him to follow. Suddenly, Stocklin experienced a loss of consciousness and found him in a place where he saw suffering and joy. Hell and heaven, he thought, are inhabited by people he did not know. Then he was urged to pray often, 30,000 Ave Marias during the Ember Days. 30,000? 30,000. 30, Take his wife and children to Mass, abstain from sinning, and venerate the sacraments. On still another occasion, the dead cowherd Valk told him, in reply to a question, that the Almighty God had turned him into an angel that there was not anything sinful in his wandering about. In fact, Strickland explained at his trial, there were three ways in which one may wander. The first was being one of the nocturnal band to which he himself belonged. Was that the Benandante then? Well, this is the well, German version. The German... There's someone that the term he uses is Nachtfahr, or okay. nightgoer. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Sounds like a John Carpenter movie. Yes, yeah. it does. <laughs> the second, being one of the deceased waiting for their destined hour, and the third, by joining witches going to the Sabbath. But about this last, he did not know anything because he had never participated. The journeying of the nocturnal band took place during the Ember Days on Fridays and Saturdays, almost always at night. Prior to setting out, one fell into a swoon and remained in an inert state. It was the soul, at least he so supposed, which departed, leaving the body behind immobile and lifeless for an hour or a little more. Woe, however, if the body, meanwhile, be turned over, because that would make the re-entry of the soul painful and difficult. Through the butt. That's <laughs> how <laughs> so you have to re-enter your body after astral traveling? Yeah, then it becomes astral traveling. <laughs> oh, gosh. No. Okay. To one of the judge's questions, Stoklin replied that he only knew one member of the nocturnal band, but not his name. However, he was able to furnish the names of many witches of Orbitstorf and their misdeeds, which he had also learned about during his mysterious nocturnal journeys. He asserted that he could cure men and be stricken by witches, and that he had done so many times through the grace of God by imposing prayers and fasts. The judges challenged Strickland's startling statements down to the smallest detail, but without success. 
In no way could they extort an admission from him that he was a witch, that he had participated in the Sabbath, or that he had bound himself to the devil. Obstinately, he repeated that he had nothing to do with witchcraft, but when he was interrogated anew on the 23rd of December, so a couple months later, he began to vacillate. First of all, he admitted that at the age of 16, he had received an ointment which, from his mother, which he had used to bewitch both men and animals. Then, pressed hard by the judges, he confessed that he had gone to the Sabbath many times, that he abjured God and the saints before the great devil. Finally, they had him tortured, after he'd already admitted all of this, to obtain a further confession and a long list of accomplices, and then he was burned at the stake along with all the women he accused of being witches. Oh. Well, so there is a burning there. Yes. Yeah. But this is Germany right. now. So that, yeah, that does they burn link things. up. Um, he said, so he admitted to having an ointment that he used to bewitch both animals and men, but I gotta wonder if bewitch was the word he used or if that's just what got entered into the record. Right. Like, maybe he was like... It was, you know, an anti-hemorrhoidal thing that I used to heal both men and animals. Kid turned 16. And they were like, well, like, give him some deodorant. Medicine <laughs> is witchery, like we heard last time, right? So. All right. So we're going to travel a little further east and a little further south now. <laughs> okay. Besides the Livonian werewolf, my favorite thing that I found exploring this was some of the Eastern European parallels. Uh-huh. There is lots of stuff going on. Okay. In Eastern Europe. Um, it's like the dark continent of lore. <laughs> totally. Oh, I just want to just dig my teeth into it. So you'll be glad to know some of it was Slovenian. Woo! Um, there's okay. a long tradition of Slovenian, sometimes they're considered good witches and sometimes vampire hunters, uh-huh. called Kresnik, uh-huh. who would fight bad witches or vampires. And usually, again, they'd travel out to a certain place in spirit on fast days. And the Kresnik would turn into white animals, and the vampires or witches would turn into black animals, and they'd fight. White versus black animals. Okay. This so, is symbolic somehow. So it's like doves versus crows, or like seagulls versus... What's another black animal? Uh, crows. <laughs> Ravens? Other Ravens, crows. yeah. Vultures. Different crows. Um, black cats. Magpies. Interestingly, while I'm flipping through my notes, mm-hmm. this just reminded me of another fun tidbit about Perkta, okay. who would travel through the wild hunt before Christmas, or else, more particularly right after Christmas and before Epiphany, uh-huh. and would go into houses with the dead who would wa- be forced to wander into houses, sort of like the Ben and Dante having to go in and drink people's wine, okay. and she'd reward those who were good and rich and prosperous and left water gifts out for her, uh-huh. and particularly girls who had finished their spinning. Okay. Really? Yeah. And she'd give them gifts and good luck all throughout the year and suitors and things like that. Hmm. It's sort of like, it's a lot like Santa Claus. You leave something out, you get nice things. Exactly. On the other hand, if you hadn't finished your spinning and you spun during the holiday season when you weren't supposed to, Uh or your house was dirty, Uh or she didn't leave you anything, she'd slid open your belly and stuff it full of pebbles and straw. Well, it's different um, than coal. Okay, so she's really consolidating the whole Krampus St. Nicholas thing right all in one. Right. <laughs> Except with some weird Blair Witch stuff. Oh, man. Can you imagine telling that to your little daughter? Like, finish your spinning or your belly's going to get split open. <laughs> yeah, and full of strong pebbles and yeah. you don't like that. <laughs> So, the very best stories I found about this, the best analogs, were from Serbia. Okay. <laughs> and especially southern Serbia and western Bulgaria and Montenegro and okay. Macedonia. 
Southeastern Yugoslavia, Serbia, just oh, north of Greece. All around throughout all of medieval times through like the 19th century. Uh-huh. There were these people in Serbian villages called alternately Vjednogonje or Zduhaches. Okay. Apologies again, I don't know Serbian. I might be mutilating the pronunciation. And essentially, uh-huh. they were wizards who fought storms. <laughs> so whenever there was a storm coming, mm-hmm. they would go into a trance and try and blow it to another village. Did <laughs> they just like blow really hard? Like, <laughs> Not it. <laughs> so they'd spirit travel and was really regionally dependent. In some areas, they fought storm demons. Okay. Storm demon. The storm demons were called Allah. Okay. I'll get to some juicy tidbits about them later. Usually, the people that fought Allah were called. Do we have a uh, spelling on Allah? A L A. Okay. And it and it's a, probably a false cognate with the Muslim. Completely, the yeah. Being. The particular term for those who fought them were. Dragon men, or dragon-like men. Oh. Men that had dragon qualities. This is so going to be in my next Dungeons & Dragons campaign. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, Fighting storm demons as a dragon man. Yes! Uh-huh. Yes. So, totally! The term is Zmei, spelled Z-M-E-J, but I think the J is sort of a Y sound. It's like Zmei-likes. Okay. Or dragon-like people. They fought the spear. They fought the storm demons. As okay. dragons! <laughs> but... If you're a Zduhach, mm-hmm. you went up and rode on eagles or changed into some kind of bird or magical creature or serpent. And... Of course, griffins. Right. You're... Totally. <laughs> Total griffin. And who you were probably fighting was the Zduhach from the next village. Oh, okay. And whoever won, you blew the storm to their village. To their their village. crops were ruined. <laughs> you were and your crops duels. were fine. <laughs> you were having agricultural wizard duels. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Um, so lots of kind of famous people in Serbian and Montenegrin history were just believed to be these guys. Okay. This guy was cool. He was probably a wizard. Probably Basically, a dragon wizard. Yeah. <laughs> As someone who was a leader in the Montenegrin resistance movement, but also there are a bunch of bishops, uh-huh. including one of the main bishops that, um, modernized the country of Montenegro, uh, Petr I, Petrovich Njegos, who... Recorded a lot of sermons against this kind of superstition, but everyone uh-huh. assumed he was just a storm wizard anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> Good work, man. Because <laughs> if you were a storm wizard, of course you'd deliver sermons against it. Well, it's yeah. awesome not to. <laughs> That's your cover, right? Um, That's your alibi. Also, apparently, this is one of... I liked this bit quite a bit. Mahmoud Bushtali, the Ottoman Pasha of Skadar in northern Albania... Um, so he was an Albanian who converted to Islam and was the local viceroy for the Ottoman Empire, basically. Uh-huh. Was reputed to be a powerful Zhuduhach by Mon- in Montenegro. It was claimed that his mother carried him for three years. <laughs> wow. Yeah? And then it was a call birth. <laughs> Ushtali was defeated and killed by the Montenegrins under Petar I, the bishop that I was just mentioning. Because uh-huh. yeah. it being one of the weird Ottoman things, they were ruled by their bishops because... In the Ottoman Empire, all the minorities were usually religious minorities, and they okay. just said, uh-huh. okay, your leader is whoever the leader of your religious group is. Okay. Which is kind of kind of how Muslim 
uh, governments are kind of organized kind sometimes of. with caliphs and stuff. Yeah, being well, holy, you know, there's right? a lot of detail to get into there. Yeah, but right. in any case, he was defeated and killed by the Montenegrins under Peter the First, this bishop I was mentioning, who might have also been a storm wizard. They might have all been storm wizards. Well, attempting to subdue them in 1796. Since that time, the crop yield in Montenegro and northern Albania was allegedly not as high as before. Bushtali, the Albanian pasha, was said to have fought for the crop yield against the Transmarines Jaduhaci. So that's the storm wizards from Italy on the other side of the Adriatic. <laughs> <laughs> were they blowing it? So they were wanting to blow it also to Italy? Yeah, just Italy either side of the Adriatic Sea. Storm the wizards everywhere. Yeah. Peter I was reported saying of him, I regret his death, although he was my biggest enemy. I want to see what the forecast would have looked like. <laughs> like the seven-day forecast, like the same storm keeps coming back and hitting you again. We just figure there's got to be storm wizards that are going to be messing with well, us. Well, yeah. it looks like uh, the seven-day forecast, you were going to have sunny skies, but apparently somebody's <laughs> fucking up. Yeah I'm, not, uh, yeah, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you, Peter. Come on, come on. Get it together. So apparently one of the things you do if you're a dragon-like man okay. and a storm is coming along and you're out in the fields with your scythe or your sickle okay. is you do magic and you cut the storm oh, okay. with the scythe and that sure. kills the demon and makes the storm dissipate. That's what I was saying in the original introduction. I was glad I did to make the rain go away this time. Oh, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because we had rain right before we started recording here. Also, incidentally... The Slovenian cabin by this Northwoods Lake, totally run by wizards, I assume, and vampire <laughs> hunters, has a sickle and a scythe hanging up nailed to the wall. Yeah, very This badass. is true. Tons of iron implements. It's yeah. kind of crazy. We have questions. <laughs> so many questions. So in any case, a story about a Zduhac here. Okay. There was a Seklin Zduhac who was so beaten by the other Zduhaci that he had to die, and there he was dying. Various remedies were brought to him, but he accepted none, because all was in vain. Finally, he had everybody ushered out of his house except for one of his brothers, a famous hero. <laughs> All were also driven away from the door to prevent eavesdropping. It's really hard not to slip into a bad Russian accent. Do it! Do it! <laughs> then the dying man said to his brother, I will surely die if I am not substituted for, and you can do it and save me if you have enough strength. The brother, of course, promised that, and the sick man continued, You'll have to go tonight to Mount So-and-So, at three or four hours walking distance from here, most of the way lying through a dense forest. Mount So-and-So? Yeah, it, it's not specified in the story. <laughs> Either way, it's idiomatic Russian. That's, that's what it says on the Serbian. Dungeon Master's map. Yeah. <laughs> you will come beneath a stair-like cliff and stop there, and a great fear will seize you. <laughs> to encourage yourself, take your two pistols and the knife with a silver sheath. I will also take a musket, added the brother. And the sick man said, You may take that too, though only as encouragement, as it will be of no use to you. But you must have the knife. I can go without any weapon with a pocket knife it is of use to against a single, and with a weapon I can go against a hundred, interrupted the brother again. Take it easy with your boldness, resumed the sick man. <laughs> and by all means, take the knife. <laughs> Look, just take the knife. Listen to me. So you can take your gun, but it's basically just like your blankie. To make yourself feel better, yeah. yeah. It's like your blankie. Right. <laughs> when you come to the cliff, the sky will be cloudless, lit, and there will be silence in the air. Then you will notice a wisp of cloud coming from the direction of Mount Rumia, and the wind will start to blow. The wisp will turn into an enormous storm cloud that will cover the sky, and there will come a darkness that you have never seen before. The wind will blow, whistle, roar, and shriek as you have never heard before. The hair will rise on your head so that it will lift up your cap, and I fear that you may go mad from the horror. <laughs> so Lovecraft. Okay. Yeah. And if you persevere, you will see three bulls falling down from the cloud onto the earth. 
a light-haired, a pied, and a dark-haired bull. The latter two will start to beat the former, pied? which is the weakest. Spotted. 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 Yeah. Like the pied piper. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. The latter two, so the pied and the dark-haired, will beat the light one because it is already wounded. Be sure to strike the two bulls with the knife, but take care to not to cut the light-haired bull, because that would be the death of me, as it would be if the two bulls overcame the light-haired bull. At mm-hmm. which point the brother said, yes, loads of bull are happening. <laughs> <laughs> Having heard all that, the brother took the two pistols, poured more gunpowder, and sharpened the flints. He put the pistols into his belt, placed the knife between them, and slung a musket over his shoulders. He slung forth, set forth, sorry. He passed through a dark forest. He came to the stair-like cliff. The moon and the stars were shining, so it was day. A silence all around him was pleasant. He sat down and lit his pipe. <laughs> Before long, a wisp of cloud showed the direction of the Mount Rumia, and there came a roar and a bluster, and everything happened exactly as the sick man had said. His hair rose so that three times he jammed his cap down on his head. Finally, three bulls fell down from the storm cloud and started to fight. All was as it was said. He stabbed the pied bull in the neck with the knife. It staggered and fell. The light-haired bull got encouraged. Then he stabbed the dark-haired bull. It slumped. The light-haired bull was finishing them off with his horns. This was not enough for him, and fearing that the cut bulls could still rise up, he kept on striking them with the knife for as long as there was breath in their bodies. The storm cloud suddenly disappeared. proper knifing. Yes. And together with it, the light-haired bull vanished. Again the moon and the stars shone. Again a silence and blessedness. Blessedness. He was going back home as if flying, and when he arrived home he found his brother sitting by the hearth, placing logs on the fire, healthy as if he had never been sick. So, yeah, wizard fight. Yeah. yeah. Bulls and wizard fight. What is it with this show and wizard duels and stuff? Yeah. Uh, I know. Yeah. yeah. We've got a few episodes on that. Yeah. So. See uh, or a Jivika episode, the reanimated courses. Yeah. Fun tidbits about the storm demons. Okay. So, they mostly have serpentine bodies, and they have tails of snakes that sometimes hang out of the clouds down to the ground, but they have horses' heads. Uh-huh. And if you see their heads, you'll go crazy. So a, oh. a snake body with a horse head. A snake this body really with a horse head. really Call of Cthulhu-esque. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and there's this one time that a skylark flew way too high, uh-huh. and it saw the head of the Allah, uh-huh. and it went insane. The, the bird did. The bird did. So what is this insane skylark really? An insane like skylark <laughs> is so terrified that... It plunges down to earth as fast as it can, uh-huh. hits the ground with a huge impact, and dies. Oh. Then a dog comes along, <laughs> eats the dead Skylark, and oh, also goes insane. Oh, so it's transmissible insanity? Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Now you gotta shoot that dog, and you gotta bury it, and don't eat the dog. Oh, man. That went okay. madness. Okay. Incidentally, so, also, yeah. in addition to all the people that could be Zuduhaches, and uh-huh. I have lost my notes for knowing just how you'd tell, okay. apparently they have long hair and beards. They tend to be phlegmatic and good with business and grumble a lot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but animals can also be Zuduhachi. Animals can? They can. Do they also grumble? They do. They actually they make the lots nags? of noise in their sleep. Oh, okay. So if you have a cow, yeah, or a rooster, uh-huh. or a she or a ram or something, and it or a dog. snores or a dog, and makes lots of noise when it sleeps, yeah, it's probably off keeping storms away from your farm, and you should never ever sell it, or wake and take it up. really good care of it, or wake it up. Wow, yeah, I don't, I don't want to get me a noisy dog. Yeah, that <laughs> <sounds> pretty... <laughs> <laughs> okay. So apparently, there's a kind of snake called an Escalapian snake. Yeah, that was the kind that lives in Greece and the Balkans that was considered a good omen kind of universally uh-huh. and 
twined up around the caduceus of Asclepius. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the yeah. staff of Asclepius. Yeah. Like, you can still see on the emblem of many, um, like, doctory places. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Doctory um, places. <laughs> so... <laughs> Hospitals. That is yeah. a technical term. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and apparently, they were considered very lucky, but they're also considered immature dragons. Oh, and okay. So they're when, like Khaleesi before she, you know, before right. they grow up. So yes. when she grows up enough, they uh-huh. become dragons and they go up into the sky and fight storm demons. Uh-huh. Also, apparently, rams and roosters and turkey cocks can uh-huh. also become dragons. Turkeys don't fight evil, turkeys are evil. You can tell that they're likely to become dragons if they grow a second pair of wings underneath their main wings, if they're foul. Wow. I, I really want Miyazaki Hayao to now make a Ghibli movie about this. Right? I know. Um, so, a dragon rooster dug a hole between beneath the threshold of his owner's house. As soon as dark clouds appeared, the rooster would go into the hole and his spirit would fly out of his body to fight with the clouds of the alley. One day the owner killed the rooster and immediately went mad. <laughs> <laughs> You kill the good rooster. Another dragon rooster with two combs would fall to the ground and lie as if dead during thunderstorms. Huh. Etc. Etc. Okay. Um, something else I was going to say about dragony people. In the more Christianized versions, who fights the storm demons tend to be Elijah. The prophet Elijah? The prophet okay. Elijah, who was brought up into heaven with a fiery chariot bodily. Uh-huh. So, he still has that chariot. He can still fight storm demons. <laughs> the chariot is... It's, it's been up on blocks for a while, but well, he's still a, got it. Yeah. <laughs> but when it comes time to fight some storm demons, his chariot is pulled by dragons. Oh. And okay. he whistles a bunch of dragons to come and pull his chariot through the air to fight the storms. Nice. So it's not yeah. Just, this is an Elijah I can like. It's not just good wizards fighting bad wizards. It's dragons and, and prophets with dragons <laughs> and animals that are dragons <laughs> fighting bad weather demons. <laughs> How is this not a campaign? <laughs> All right. Um, so very last story. Okay. Uh, this is a different name for a Serbian thing. This is just a wizard who fights storms without necessarily spirit traveling. Okay. Called a Grabon, Grabo Bronte, Bronte, Grabo Bronteli. Okay. Um, apparently this is a going belief that there were stories about at least through the 1950s. Uh-huh. So this is incredibly not a dead idea. The Grado Bronitelli in Bukor in the 1950s was Trivun Selenich. Perceiving that there might be hail, he would go behind the village, wave his arms towards the clouds, and speak the following. The meaning of these words is unclear. Ravishi Davishi, Nadunishi, pistols, the dress on the silver, the girl onto the neck, barbarian's head smashed. Millennium <laughs> <laughs> handed I am the first Voivodi here. Voivodi is... Uh, Slavic name for something like Duke or Baron. Whoa. I am the first Voivode here. The dinner is not served for you here. <laughs> no soup for you! <laughs> Go want, there! I really want his speech to end with Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> the dinner is not served for you here. Go to those hills. It is served for you there. So dine there. Trevon exclaimed, explained that the hail clouds were left by devils, accompanied by souls of the drowned and hanged. Which also comes up, sort of like the wild hunt again. It's assumed that storms are led by the drowned and hanged and people that died violent deaths. Okay. Um, By the statement, I am the first Voivode here, he would proclaim that he is the principal commander of devils, who consequently had to obey his commands and proceed around the village. 
Cleveland recognized that all this was a sin, both as declaring himself a voivode of devils and averting hail from his village, because it would fall and damage some other place. Miliko Ivkovich from Dobrichi spoke nothing, but went onto his field, took his cap off, and made the sign of the cross, and put the cap back on. After three times, he made the sign of the cross with a knife in the direction of the cloud, thus cutting it into quarters, which he drove apart. In the end, he stuck the knife's handle into the ground, and the blades turned towards the cloud, and the storm went away. Oh, so, the quarters again. Yes. Yeah. So, still fighting bad luck things for the crops in Serbia in the 1950s. Yeah. Huh. So, Benedante are dead, but beneficent witches are not. Yeah. Huh. Wow, that was really amazing. That was like so much lore. My head is spinning. I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to this and take notes and make like a hex map of like <laughs> for my next I've campaign. been wanting to do that this whole time. <laughs> this is where we got the good werewolves. This is where we got the dragons. Yeah, no, this is really cool. This, this is, is really cool, field. Nick. Thank you. Thank you very much for this. My pleasure. Yeah. Well, that's it for this episode, folks. Um, yeah, thank you, Nick and Anna, for being on the show once again. Nick, and for taking point. Thank you for inviting us up to your Slovenian wizard's cap. Yeah. <laughs> it's been great. Yeah, with your sacred implements. Yeah, I, I, I blew the, the earlier rain. I blew it over to onto the next guy's cabin. Good. There are only two cabins <laughs> on the lake, so there's probably going to be vendettas here coming, now. Yeah. It's coming back in the morning. Um, everybody, if, if you like this series, let us know. Write us in. Um, did did you did you like Nick taking point? Do you want him to do more? Let him know. Um, He's trying also, to get me to do work. <laughs> we're also encouraging Anna. She wants to do one coming up, maybe on the Cathars. We'll I'm see. On it. We're I'm working, working on, on it. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, Be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Do you have a dead idea that you'd like us to explore? If so, we want to hear about it. So write us in. I'm BT Newberg, and this is Dead Ideas. Good night. Good night. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. We love seeing our listenership grow, so thank you to everybody who has been with us. And we love doing the portraits for you guys, too. I think at last count, where we had like 18, 18 portraits, I think, up in our gallery at deadideas.net, including Nick as a Serbian Zduhac storm wizard. And now you finally know what that is, thanks to this episode. Uh, so check that out. No new portraits this week, because I was sick as a dog, to be honest, but we'll keep pumping them out. We will be changing it up soon in response to the demand, though. Nothing solid yet, but we've got a backlog of a couple of months' worth of portraits to do, sort of debating about how best to keep them coming, while leaving enough time to still do all the research we need to do for this series. And we might move the portraits to a Patreon perk, or maybe to a contest prize of some kind, or both. We don't know yet. Whatever we decide, they're still free right now in exchange for an honest review on iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, or basically anywhere people will see it. So let us know how we're doing at deadideaspod at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.